0: g Sean, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.
1: Players making plays in crucial situations also means stars coming back and producing out of the gate. It also means... Watching an offense go from anemic to powerful. It means watching a team find a way to win a tough game against another team. And all of it has a conversation changing around one NFL team, the Tennessee Titans. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. On ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, your smart speakers. Also on the ESPN app, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. And all of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're in for the guys on this Christmas Eve edition of the show. You can hang out with us on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. No matter the sport, what does your favorite team deserve for Christmas based on their performance this year? What are you giving your favorite team for Christmas based on how they play played this year? You guys can chime in. You can also tweet us. But if you're a Titans fan right now, Harry, you're looking at it saying, well, clearly what our team deserves are first-class tickets to L.A. I'm telling you, I don't, I'm not super reactionary. I've been hot on the Titans most of the year. The Derrick Henry injury pulls a lot of us back on where we feel this team's going to end up. But it's tough for me not to watch last night and say, man, the return of A.J. Brown made Ryan Tannehill look better. Uh, the team didn't particularly run the football well, and they still found a way to beat a San Francisco team you're hot on. Like, I think it's time to have real conversations in an AFC where every team has fatal flaws about why the Titans could be a Super Bowl contender.
2: Yeah, and a lot of people got to understand last night in that football game, they were without three offensive line starting offensive linemen. Uh, let's not forget that. And then if you, you look at it and you see if Derrick Henry could come back, this football team, man, will be probably punching a ticket to Los Angeles to play in the Super Bowl. Um, but getting the number one seed is very, very important for the Tennessee Titans. One, because they will have an opportunity to get a bye week, which would allow a lot of those guys that they do have hurt right now to get um, healthy, allow, allows them an extra week to get healthy. But then they're still fighting for a one seed. Um, I, I believe if the Chiefs lose a game, and the Patriots lose another game. They own the tiebreaker over the Chiefs because the Chiefs lost to them uh, earlier this season. So I think right now their eyes is is on the prize, and they had a perfect opportunity last week against the um, Pittsburgh Steelers, man. They they squandered a a victory away because if they would have won that game, they would be number one right now in the AFC. So I think if the Titans get that one seed, I think things become a lot
1: scarier for a lot of people in the AFC. Well, and uh, you know, it's really fair to mention the meltdown against the Steelers because they had that game. Like, that game was under control, it was fine. And the Titans were were right where they wanted to be. And then they essentially gave that game away. And I don't want to take anything away from the Steelers in it, but it's really fair to look at it and say a week ago, I'm looking at it thinking, my God, is this just going to crash and burn? Is this thing just falling apart in front of our eyes? And instead, they find themselves now without Derrick Henry, since they lost Derrick Henry, they're four and three. And I know that that's barely above 500, but you're talking about losing the most important piece. And I said this at the time was, Uh, Our our buddy Jared Stillman on ESPN 1025, the game in Nashville, uh, ripped me apart for saying this, I believe, at the time. But uh, uh, I I was a believer the loss of Derrick Henry was more significant for this team than the loss of Ryan Tannehill would have been. The way this offense is, you can win without a backup quarterback. You can't win without Derrick Henry. They've proven me wrong. They've won four games without Derrick Henry. Uh, the question to me is going to be what version of Derrick Henry do they get when he comes back? Because, Harry, you can't just expect him to come back and then take all of that usage out of the wagon and be like, we're going to be just fine.
2: No, but but I'll say this, though. If it's one person that I'm not worried about coming back, coming back, being in shape and – and, and having that chip is, is Derrick Henry. Um, I played with him in Tennessee. I worked out with him a lot. And the young man has, is just a different breed, fits He's built different. His mindset is different. He's a no-nonsense guy. He's he's, he's all, I'm mean, going to bring my hard hat and my lunch pail. It's all about work. Let's get this grind on. And I know he's itching, scratching and clawing to get back. But, yes, you're right. You don't want to overwork him. But if he finds his groove, you let him do his thing. But the training staff there in Tennessee, I think they're unbelievable. They're going to do everything for Derrick Henry to make sure he's in shape and he's not tired, but we haven't spoken enough about this defense of the Tennessee Titans and their defensive line. Right, Jeffrey Simmons, Tier Tart, Archery, and then you look at Harold Landry III, who's having an amazing year, uh, sacking the quarterback right now. And then you see Bud Dupree. You got Jenkins, Kevin Byard. Um, I, I think Kristen Fulton, as he starts to play a little bit more and get a little bit get a little bit better. I think this team can make a lot of noise. Um, the offensive line, if they get healthy, I'm telling you, this team is scary. This team, if they're healthy, fits is scary as hell. And nobody will want to play this Tennessee Titans team because they have a leader in Mike Vrabel. And I understand Vrabel played, Vrabel played for Bill Belichick up in New England. But – He coaches different from from Bill Belichick, but he's an intelligent coach. You don't ever have to worry about clock management. You don't ever have to worry about the rules and regulations of the game. Mike Verbal knows it all. And it the one of the funniest things to me is when he Bill Belichick, Belichick during a football game one time to secure a victory, and you've seen him uh, defeat Bill Belichick uh, on numerous of occasions. I know this year they didn't win that football game, but they was depleted. They didn't have a lot of guys in that game. They didn't have A.J. Brown. They didn't have Derrick Henry. They didn't have Julio Jones. And they still rushed for over 200-something yards. So I believe in this football team. Uh, and if they start getting even hot, 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 you've got to remember they went on a hot streak before – the injuries really started piling up. Uh, but but I believe in them. I
1: think they can make it all the way to Los Angeles. You know, you mentioned Vrabel, and part of this conversation is is because of the win. Part of this conversation is because of the belief that we have in the Titans. Part of this conversation is be- because the belief we have where the Titans might be going. Teron Davenport, ESPN Titans reporter, said this when I asked him about the Titans ceiling, if they get Henry back yesterday on this show.
3: Well, you know, if they get him back, I'm probably going to um, make some plans for for L.A. <laughs> uh, I think they okay. could they could definitely um, make a Super Bowl run if they get him back, even if he's not 100. percent Derrick Henry, just the presence of 22 in the backfield, it changes things.
1: And to to that end, I sit here and I keep thinking about Vrabel, the coach, wondering why he doesn't get a little bit more love in some of these Coach of the Year conversations and some of these just general conversations about coaching in the NFL because. Having success in Tennessee hasn't always been a given. We have to understand that. Number two, Vrabel has become the sort of person that not only does the team want to play for, Harry, but like I'm also looking at somebody that, that has become sort of part of the reason that the Titans are a talking point. Vrabel is somebody that is beloved in league circles. And I, I am lucky enough on the digital side to host some of the reaction shows to man in the arena, the podcast uh, and digital series about Tom Brady and Vrabel's in a few of those talking about Tom. And he's the same version of Vrabel that we see at the press conference. Like there's an authenticity to who he is. You mentioned that he comes from the Belichick tree, but he's not Belichick. Like, yeah. He's got an authentic, real sort of approach. And I think modern NFL players respond to that, man. They, they want somebody that, that gets him as a human being but also gets him as a player but also knows what it's like to be a player that also knows how to talk to him or relate to him. Rabel's doing all of those things while being really smart at the coaching elements, but he's also smart at just being the human being in the locker room. Yeah, he knows how to relate to those guys. He's been there and
2: done it. And I, I'll give you an example. Like, he goes on Taylor LeWan's podcast, and he, he's talking, doing the whole thing. How many head coaches you know would even go on any other players' players' podcasts? It's, I, I can tell you it's a ton of them who wouldn't even uh, do things like that. Uh, he, he says things with his players, he jokes around with the guys, but at the end of the day, they understand when it's business, it's business, and they respect him that much, uh, and they love him for who he is as a coach, as a man, and how he approaches the game every day because they know he wants to win just as much as they do as well. So uh, they respect him very heavily in Tennessee, and I know the owner does, I know the GM does, and it's just a good thing to see, man, when you can have these former players step into a head coaching role and these players be able to relate to him and they love love playing for
1: him well all this nfl talk let's not get it twisted it's christmas eve and that means tomorrow is christmas day that means nba all over the place absolutely will let's transition from the nfl to the association
4: and there's about eight seconds to go Derek White in the front court. No foul to get for the Lakers. White driving. Top of the lane. Gets it inside to Bates. Diop a slam dunk. He's eight for eight from the field.
2: 21 points for to Bates-Diop. And the Spurs lead 105-92 with three seconds to
1: go in the third. It's Keyshawn J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz sitting in for the guys. And let's get some analysis from one of our favorites. Not just one of our favorite analysts, but one of our favorite people at the company. Kendrick Perkins joining us. Perk, man, appreciate the time as always. Big Perk. Hey. I mean, we, we, we're just excited to hang out with you, brother. And, you know, I appreciate uh, you hanging out with us on Christmas Eve. But, but here's the real question. I saw your tweet, you know, just letting teams know that you're out there for a 10-day contract. <laughs> you need somebody to carry your bags for you, Perk? Because, hey, like, I- I'd be a good bag carrier you get back in the association.
0: AJ, AJ we'll figure it out, man. I want to first tell y'all happy holidays, man. I'm proud of you guys. I appreciate y'all having me on. But, you know, I just had to put it out there just in case. Just in case they need someone, a enforcer, a screen setter, a guy that'll sit on someone while somebody shoot a wide-open shot, hey – I'm free. I'm free. You know how much a ten day pay, huh? Ten day pay. A ten day pay about <laughs> a hundred and forty thousand. I'm free for ten days.
2: Per per. <laughs> I, I hear you say that, man. Listen, they. My brother need to come back over. My brother need to come back from overseas and get on one of these ten days really quick. I know. I know he can put the ball in the basket, mm-hmm,
0: man. Mm-hmm. And it's wide open right now. telling you, teams are desperate right now. They need people like old people need soft shoes.
1: I mean, so, but, but think about that for a second. Like, like, I just keep thinking about if you're a guy that's played in the league, there's actually a really amazing opportunity to come back. Like, they got to figure something out. And if you played and you want to get back out there and just get another run, not just even just the payday, which is obviously nice, but just to get back out on the court and do that. Like, I got to feel like there's a lot of vets that are looking at it saying, yeah, I, I could play for a couple of weeks. And maybe that'd be good for the league.
0: I, I think it will. You look at guys like Joe Johnson, right? You look at him. And what he did for us playing in the big three stand stand being a true professional, you know staying out the way, and all of a sudden you you look at when he checked into the game the other night the fans went crazy and i I had to tweet out because i I really feel this way you know not to dive too deep into the Boston Celtics, but when i when I look at this Celtic team, the one thing that they're lacking is leadership, and I think vets matter. And I said I said it the other day. I said the Celtics might need to consider signing Joe Johnson for the long haul for the simple fact that he could be that veteran presence in the locker room. You know, it's low risk for high reward. You want to get the best out of your two young stars and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, why not?
2: And, and Perk, I got to ask you, I'm going to stay with the Celtics, man. Why, why do you think it, it hasn't worked so far this year? Why do you think that they're just 500? what's 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 the what's the one thing that you could pinpoint that you can say this is probably why things are going the way they're going right now in Boston? you, you know what is it's
0: hard, but it's just it goes back to that leadership and that togetherness. See, I'm a, I'm am I'm a big detail guy. Oh, While yeah. everybody else wanna look at oh who's getting buckets or who's who's dropping assists and the rebounds and double doubles and triple doubles. I wanna look at body language. See, a team that is playing well, a team that is together, a team that has one goal with no hidden agenda, that's a team that's going to – you're going to see the camaraderie. You're going to see the bench up on every play when somebody dives on the floor for a loose ball. You're going to see four guys sprinting on the court when a guy hits the ground or dives on the ground. They're going to be sprinting to help him up. See, I watch for those type of things because those type of things show me togetherness. And when I look at the Boston Celtics, they just don't have that. I'm watching guys making big plays. I don't see no chest bumping. I don't see no high-fiving. And I definitely don't see it between the two guys that matter the most in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown.
1: That's interesting to me, Perk, because it doesn't matter – what sport we're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there are special things in certain locker rooms that resonate. So, I'm going to make you the coach. Instead of giving you a 10-day contract, I'm going to make you the coach of the Celtics. How do you fix that?
0: Well, you, you know, I think I think Ime Yudoka is finally turning the corner. And we have to realize he's a first-year head coach, okay? And I think, you know, when you look at the Celtics, when they came back off the West Coast trip, they struggled on the West Coast. And then they had that game against the Milwaukee Bucks and they looked great on both ends of the floor. And Ime Yudoka called them out. And he called them out in a way in the film session where he just showed them embarrassing clips. He showed guys flexing on them. He showed guys, you know, taunting at them. And he challenged them not only as a basketball player, but he challenged them as a man to compete. And I think that's when you turn the corner because, you know, as a coach, you have to be careful. You have to be careful of straddling that fence of trying to, you know, be cool with players and be, be their homeboy and be their coach. So I think he's starting to turn the corner and gain their respect. And also, you know, he has to play some of those young guys. I think you you look at a guy like Romeo Langford, Peyton Pritchard, who played exceptional basketball last year. All of a sudden this year he couldn't get on the court. And I was sitting back – I've been sitting back watching like – what happened? And now he's playing well. So what happens is you have competition within the locker room, which is a good thing because you want guys to to, to to who's on the floor to know that if I'm not producing, I got this other person on the bench that's waiting to come in and take my minutes, but that's going to help the team get better.
2: That's good stuff. Now, Perk, you said a couple of days ago, I'm gonna to switch to LeBron. Yeah. You said LeBron should consider demanding a trade to the Cavs. <laughs> why, why, why do you think he should
0: consider it, man? Now, you know what? I should have put a laughing emoji because I was really <laughs> being sarcastic. But I was, I was, I was actually saying, I was actually, you know, kind of taking a shot at, at, at LeBron teammates. Here, here it is: a guy that is 30, going on 37 years of age. All these miles, all these years. I'm watching him go out there and put it all out on the line. I think he had 34 points that night. I'm watching him do everything in his in his power to do his part to try to help his team win. And I'm watching other guys not do that. And when I look at Braun, he doesn't have time to waste. And so you know, I always been I always been a guy that's been hard on Cleveland because I always say every time Braun left the the uh, Cavaliers that. The Cavs were in the lottery, but now this Cavs team is actually pretty damn good. So I'm like, you know what, bro? You go over there to the Cavs, and maybe if the Cavs don't have to give up too much, and you go over there, that's a nice fit, you know what I mean? But I'm just, you know, I'm just really was shooting a shot at these other uh, guys that's on this team right now that they have to step the hell up.
1: And that's interesting too. We're talking to Kendrick Perkins, ESPN NBA analyst, Keyshawn J. Max, Jason Fitz, Harry Douglas, and for the guys. Uh, Because the Lakers, uh, terrible loss to the Spurs. They're 16-17. and But Vince Carter yesterday told me that, you know, he doesn't think the Lakers were ever built for the regular season. The regular season doesn't really matter. They're a playoff team. How worried are you when we see the Lakers play this way, though?
0: I mean, I love Vince, but he is so wrong. And and let me tell you why he's so wrong. Okay, we're more than, you know, 30 games into the season. And – Every every team in the NBA has went through some type of adversity for us not having their full roster. But one thing the Lakers has had this entire season is two of their big three on the floor at all times. And there's no reason that they should be playing the way that they're playing. I mean, they lost by 28 to the Spurs last night. And I'm not saying that it's not – Capable, the Spurs are not capable of beating anybody. I'm not. I'm not disrespecting them. I would never do that. But when you look at how it, how they lost the game, they just got smoked two nights ago on national TV by the Phoenix Suns. You would think, going into a Lakers-Spurs matchup, where Russell Westbrook and LeBron James obviously are the two best players on the floor and they go and get smoked. Like, it's no sense of urgency. So, right now I'm looking at the Lakers. They are who they are. And so, we talking about the playoffs, they might be in the play-in. The West is just that good. When you look at the top three teams, let me ask y'all a question. Jay and Harry, let me ask y'all this. What's up? If you, do right now, do you think if the playoffs started today and the Lakers were fully healthy, could they beat the golden state warriors fully healthy? No. Okay. I don't think so. Okay, cool. Could they beat the phoenix suns fully healthy? I don't
1: no. think so.
0: I I don't think so. The boys, the boys too young. They, and they probably couldn't even beat the Utah Jazz right now. And I would take it another level and say they would have trouble trouble with the Memphis Grizzlies. So when I look at what the Lakers are doing, it's it's like it's little things that has to be fixed. Like we we talk about Melo and we love Melo's story of getting back into the NBA but when you think about certain situations with Melo if he's not scoring points he's giving up so much on the defensive end because mm-hmm. teams are picking on him so I got to disagree with Vince because at some point in the time they got to show us that there's some type that that they have this own switch that they could turn on and say oh okay that's the Lakers we know yeah, they'll be all right. We don't. We, I don't feel that way,
1: man. Perk, this is great stuff, and we really appreciate you hanging out with us. I know it's a uh, it's Christmas Eve, so we appreciate the fact that you're willing just to to, uh, to give us a little time on this uh, uh, spectacular look, holiday. I,
0: man, look, I appreciate y'all. I don't look Christmas Eve, birthdays, Valentine's Day wedding in the, wedding in the anniversaries, I'm going to talk basketball. So, I mean, you know, Big you just got to find me. I'm going to talk basketball. I'm going to talk sports. I'm, I mean, you know, my wife know that.
1: Uh, y'all, uh, be sure to check out the <laughs> podcast between uh, Perk and Swagoo. It, it might be one of my favorite podcasts I we've appreciate ever had ESPN, man. You're the best. <laughs> thanks for hanging out with us. Merry Christmas, right, my friend.
0: Same, yeah, I appreciate y'all having me.
1: Man, that's a, just nobody breaks it down better than Park does. That's all I'm saying. This time of the year is not just for the NFL and NBA. We'll tell you what else you need to be paying attention to next. Keyshawn J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80.
4: On J. Will
2: and
1: Max on ESPN radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel lady, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz in for the guys. Uh, every time we play anything with any sort of a beat, Harry Douglas reminds me that not only was he a premier wide receiver, but apparently he was also a backup dancer for Beyonce, because I'm telling you, like Harry's got like the move and the shake, the the shimmy. It all comes in one little like thing. I I I don't know the right way to describe it, Harry, but it is it is powerful my friend that's all i can say is that the moves are <laughs> the moves are powerful uh we've been talking a lot about the nfl we've been talking a lot about the nba over the course of the weekend but uh, it, we would be remiss to not get the opportunity to also talk about a little bit of college football harry and i are both lucky to get to work a lot in that space Uh, And for anyone that uh, doesn't watch any of the digital content, I would implore you to go out and check out some of what we do on the ESPN app, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, across those platforms, as we uh, both host a ton of different shows there and will be involved in the playoffs and national championships. So we figured the best thing we could do is continue that expertise by bringing in the great Trevor Maddich to hang out with us and get some of his insights too. Uh, Trevor always appreciates your time. And uh, I want to start with the, the decision by college football to allow an opportunity for forfeiture to decide the national championship should the game not be able to be played within the window of time they allowed. What was your reaction to the college football decision?
3: Fitz, my reaction was that's awful, but it's the least awful of a whole lot of worse choices. And they did the right thing by making this policy now preemptively, proactively – so that we can discuss it now, we can get mad about it if we need to, and then we can accept it when it happens rather than have all that controversy happen if it does happen to occur that way. The the thing is, if you go the NFL route and don't test, if people are vaccinated and unsymptomatic, then you're potentially putting a team out there against another team that's got positive, positive tested players uh, or team, players that would have tested positive had they not uh, you know, been in that kind of an NFL-style protocol. And it's unfair to put a college team out there against another team that might have a bunch of, of COVID-positive opponents. So I think that they did the right thing by doing it this way. If you put guys out there that might have the virus and don't have a provision to forfeit, just you're going to go out and play then to me that's worse than than the forfeiture system just because of the fact that you have to then expose other players in a way that's unnecessary. And college football is all about, first and foremost, the safety and benefit of the players themselves, which is one of the reasons that Texas A&M decided to pull out of the Gator Bowl and left the almighty dollar on the table because they thought it was best for their team based on not being able to be prepared for the game. So I think that's what you see here from the college football bowl, um, college football playoff people that make these kinds of decisions. It was the right thing to do, even though if it does happen that way, it will feel awful.
2: Yeah, this is crazy. But I will say this, Trevor. Will we have a legit national champion if there's any type of forfeit involved in the college football playoffs?
3: Harry, That's a great point, because... I think a lot of people will think it's not legitimate because it would not have been decided on the field then. It would have been decided by COVID, basically. It would have been decided by by you know, health reasons that have nothing to do with, with the health of football players who get hurt in the course of the game. But I think that you'd have to accept it. And I, I think that people would realize that staying healthy is part of it, and this is part of the weird COVID scenarios that we have starting from last season. I mean, last season, we were happy just to get through the season, and we ended up having a national championship game that was legitimate because it wasn't affected unduly by COVID. If it is, and if uh, the national champion wins by forfeit now, then I think, who does it bother if you say, yeah, they're the national champion? I think a lot of people, though, would say, and I would disagree with this, Harry, that uh, if you have COVID enter your ecosystem as a college football program. It's your own fault because somebody went out to a party and did something stupid. That's possible, but it's also very possible that we have seen happen that teams and people have done everything right. And yet COVID has come in anyway. So with that being kind of an equalizer that you don't have to be stupid in order for your team to go down with COVID because of too many positive tests I think that the national championship would have to be legitimate because everybody is dealing with the same problem.
1: The funny thing is that college football fans are so ruthless in general. I cannot imagine the reaction for any of this. Now, speaking of the college football playoff, I got two of the best minds for our company, and Trevor Maddich and Harry Douglas with me. By the way, I'm Jason Fitz. I want you guys to hear what Dan Orlovsky said on first take about why he thinks Michigan is set to win it all.
4: That was a di- different Michigan feel than it had the past years before. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh infused so much young talent into that program. Um, they have an uh, unmistaken identity. Um, and then their season kept getting better and better. I called their game against Penn State when I thought they played fantastic. And I think that at the line of scrimmage, they can match up against Georgia very well. I think they've got enough play. Hassan Haskins, who's their starting tailback, is like tackling – Um, it's like tackling Aaron Donald. I mean, he is six foot two, 230 pounds. Blake Corum is their change at back is awesome. I think Caden McNamara, their quarterback is significantly better than people give him credit for. Um, So I think that Michigan, because I trust on both sides of the ball, who they are on a consistent basis week in and week out. I think Michigan wins the whole thing.
1: Harry Douglas,
2: you agree? Um, I think they have the potential to, to win it. I think they're one of the most complete football teams in college football. When you look at them offensively, I love their offensive line. They're big. They're nasty. They're three deep at the running back positions. I threw Ed was in there just because he had a little burn um, when, when Corum went down. But they're three deep. And then a lot of people say, well, their receivers, you don't see the outstanding numbers. That's because, number one, they're a run-first football team, and they do a hell of a job of it. And then, number two, they spread the wealth throughout that receiving group. They have two solid tight ends, I think, in Eric Hall and, and Schooner Maker. Um, I think those guys – but when you look over on the defensive side of the ball, too, they're physical with Aiden Hutchinson and Jabo. And I think three people who are underrated for this defense is DJ Ch- Turner, one of their corners, Um Vincent Gray, another one. And then the last one, Daxton Hill, that nickel defender, that guy who plays the slot, who can who can cover, who can blitz, who can tackle well, can play the run, could do a, a variety of different things. But I, I look at this Michigan football team, and if they won a national championship, I would not be surprised at all because I think they're that balanced throughout their entire roster.
1: But Trevor, I mean, we have to also look at this matchup. I mean, as, as much as I agree with everything Harry just said, they're taking on a stout defense. I know what happened to Georgia in the SEC championship game, but up until that point, we're looking at a Georgia defense that was supposedly historic,
3: right? And I, I think it, the front seven is historic. I think the secondary was truly tested against the outstanding passing attack for the first time in the SEC championship game in Alabama, and they were found lacking or found wanting. But also, they were outcoached in that game. I mean, you watch the tape of the Alabama-Georgia game in the SEC Championship. And Alabama consistently seemed to be in the right play, hitting the easiest matchup for that particular defense. When Georgia went into a disguise, and then after the snap, came out of that disguise into what they were really doing, Alabama just magically seemed very often to have the right play call on for what the, the coverage actually seemed to be, or ended up being what the blitz actually ended up being. And I think a lot of that had to do with Nick Saban understanding Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart was his defensive coordinator for a long time as well. And I think he kind of got inside the head of the Georgia defensive coaching staff and had a good anticipation of what they would do. So I thought they had a bit of an advantage there at the same time, Harry and Dan are right in a lot of ways here because Michigan has the best offensive line in college football. I think that Georgia will come out like an angry caveman after having been humiliated, and I mean humiliated, by Alabama in the SEC championship game and take out every slight they feel they've ever had from childhood to today as if Michigan is the one that did it all. The problem for Georgia is that those Wolverines, a bunch of them are going to the NFL too, and they can match Georgia hit for hit just as physical. So that's interesting. Then the question becomes playmaking. And I think it will come down to which offense do you trust the most. And I trust Michigan's offense more than Georgia's offense. The question then becomes, in terms of winning it all, how would they match up against, let's say, Alabama. Alabama's a heavy favorite against Cincinnati. Cincinnati could win that. But let's just assume right now for this discussion it's Alabama. How does Michigan match up with Alabama? And I think that's a tougher matchup for Michigan than Georgia would be. And the reason is that the offensive line of Georgia is pretty good. Alabama is better in some places, especially left tackle. Evan Neal will be a high draft pick when he comes out. And so you've got two great pass rushers coming off the edge for Michigan. Heisman Trophy finalist Aiden Hutchinson and then David Ajabo, who's matched Hutchinson – for sack for sack basically, and tackle for loss for tackle for for loss. Well, Neil will take one of those guys away, and you can slide to the other one. So I don't know that they'll have as big an impact on the passing attack of Alabama as they would of Georgia. And so if this is where I think it's a, a more of a more of a problematic fight from a matchup standpoint, Michigan to Alabama, and they've got to win both of those games in order to win the national championship. I still think Alabama is the one who will do it.
2: Yeah, Trevor, when I look at that, that Michigan and, and Georgia matchup, uh, and I continue to, to say this, that if it comes down to a passing attack and these two teams have to pass the football, I, I trust Kate McNamara. I, I do not trust Stetson Bennett in that situation. Uh, and I think it, if it comes down to that, I think that will, might be the, the a deciding factor because the simple fact that Kat, uh, Kate McNamara, when he's been put on the spot this year and thrust in that position where he's had to pass the football – he has done a decent job of that. Stetson Bennett, with his back against the wall, we've seen that he couldn't do it. He couldn't lead his team back to a victory. The one time his defense, this is why I keep explaining to people, the defense let this Georgia team down one time. Now, it's only been one time. It's not like this happened the entire year, but that one time was, was an opportunity for Stetson Bennett to be able to step up and, and pass a football at a high level, and he did not do that and couldn't lead that Georgia team to a comeback. Right, and
3: the other thing that we didn't know about Georgia is we just hadn't seen it, besides Stetson Bennett having to, and the offense as a whole, having to come back in the second half from behind against a defense that was covering receivers down the field. We hadn't seen that all year long until Alabama, and they didn't do it. But the same thing was the Georgia secondary. The the Georgia front seven is – as, as good as any I've ever seen in, in college football the entire time I've been playing or watching it, and that's been a long time. The secondary has a lot of talented guys, but they haven't really truly been tested. The first time was in against Alabama, and they also, like the offense, showed that they weren't ready for that moment. Now, does that mean that they can't? Or it was just the first time, and they kind of got hit in the mouth and backed onto their heels, and they didn't recover in time? I don't know that. We're going to find out. But the thing about Michigan is that they're very much a known quantity. Michigan has been completely consistent all year long. And, you know, they are what they are, and that's the way it's been. They've had a couple of close games. But it's not like they've been an up-and-down roller coaster like Alabama has been, especially on defense. And that's another thing about this whole thing, which Alabama shows up. I think the best one will. Which Georgia shows up. You know, the best of all of these teams will show up. But Michigan of the four teams to include Cincinnati is the one that, that I trust to get to the highest percentage of their theoretical potential than any of the other ones.
1: Trevor, as always, my friend, we appreciate you joining us on the holiday during the holidays. Hope you've had a wonderful holiday season. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, my
3: friend. Great. Thank you, Fitz. Thanks, Harry.
1: That was Trevor Maddich, ESPN College Football Analyst, brought to you by Eckridge Smoke Sausage, the real MVP of any tailgate. Pick it up. It's your local grocer, and I will say this, the losing coach of that Michigan-Georgia game. Man, you want to talk about pressure on the line, there's going to be plenty there. Keyshawn J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speakers, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, getting you ready for your Christmas Eve. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. I'm practicing for my like Delilah voice. What do you think, Harry? Was that good? <laughs> like, I feel like i you know, the Christmas DJ solid, job, bro. maybe? like You feel like I'm out there like, that's Mariah Carey. Getting it you ready was for so solid, Jason. Listen to Harry Douglas. Is there nothing? I'm telling you, Harry Douglas is Mark Wahlberg in the other guys. He's the person <laughs> that, that he takes a year to learn ballet just to get back at somebody. Like Harry Douglas <laughs> is like, you know what? In 2022, I'm going to figure out carpentry, and by the end of the year, he's building you a mansion in Florida somewhere, and then you're living rent free for the rest of your life. That's Harry Douglas, capable Boom. of everything. I'm Jason Fitz. By the way, uh, we uh, we've enjoyed getting to hang out with you guys today and uh, truly appreciate it but Harry uh, there's one NFL team that we've talked a little bit about over the course of the day and that's the Los Angeles Rams and we've gone back and forth on how good they are versus how good they should be I understand that but you've looked at their schedule and now you are just flaming dragon hot takes out of your mouth, out out of what could be the future for a team this year that has an MVP candidate in Cooper Cup, has the best defensive player in the year (laughs) in Aaron Donald, and supposedly has the smartest coach this side of everybody offensively with Sean McVay. And you're telling me you think there's a chance they miss the playoffs? Yeah, if you you look at their schedule,
2: there's always a chance for anybody to make the playoffs fits. Let me say that first. But when I'm looking at their schedule, they still have the Vikings, the Ravens, and the 49ers. Though they can still possibly lose all of those games, the way they have been playing of late, the the the, the Rams I've seen against the Seahawks. They can lose against the Vikings. They can lose against the Ravens. They can lose against the 49ers. And a lot of people are saying, like, the Ravens, they're depleted. Yeah, I understand that. But they have a guy named John Harbaugh who has rallied this football team, and they've been in just about every game that they played, even though they've been depleted. And you you, you look at the two-point two, the two point conversions, if you take away some of those and those go a different way, they're actually sitting in a better spot than, they, they, than they're than in right now. So I think it's, it's, it's possible um, – Do I think they're gonna miss it? No, but I'm saying if they lose all three of these games, fire possibly Fire they everybody. If it. they <laughs> lose
1: all three of these games, Harry, fire everybody. Just get rid of... If, like, Sean McVay can't win with this group of people and, and you know, Sean McVay that won't win no, all in on the you can't say Jared fire golf, everybody. Fire we everybody.
2: To, we want people to keep their jobs. You okay. can't say fire everyone, okay?
1: Okay, well, wait till after the first of the year, like the way the hiring cycle goes. Now you wait till after the first of the year. By the way, interesting nugget for any NFL fans that are not aware of this nugget. They've changed the rule on interviewing coaches this year in the NFL. And for the first time ever, if you have already let your coach go or you have notified your coach that he will be let go, you can start interviewing coaching candidates during the last two weeks of the regular season. So keep an eye on that in places like Chicago where Matt Nagy is still there, but they may just tell him he's one step out the door just so they can get an interview. (laughs) Evan, what you got for So the Matthew Stafford thing's interesting to me because I'm a Jets fan, as you all know, and – Uh, 13 years ago, the Jets
4: brought in Brett Favre. He was supposed to be the guy that got the Jets to the playoffs. They collapsed in December. Favre got hurt. They missed the playoffs after being in first place for much of November, and they fired Eric Mangini after the season. Now, I'm not saying Eric Mangini is Sean McVay, but this situation reminds me a lot of Favre with the Jets, that if it doesn't work and they collapse and miss the playoffs, that the head coach could be gone for not
1: making it work. I mean, Harry, isn't it fair to say if you've given somebody the all-madden team and they turn out and they don't make the playoffs? Like in that scenario. Look, we all think the Rams well, are going to make well, the playoffs. Well, not, I well, think not, McVay's going to be fine. Though.
2: Not not just that though, Fitz. If I think if they're one and done, uh, if they do make the playoffs and then they lose in the first round, I think that's a that's a that's an issue as well. Because yeah. this is a team that a lot of people uh, especially coming into the year, they got Matthew Stafford, oh, a Super Bowl bus. Then they traded for Von Miller, got Gave up draft picks. Then they, then they got out Signed Odell Beckham Jr., right? So, everyone's looking at this team to be playing in Los Angeles, being the second team to do it, as you've seen Tampa Bay do it last year. So, if they even go one and done, I think that's going to be a big story as well, just as if they don't make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, that's an abject failure if they go one and done with that much talent. You guys chiming in on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. We asked you, what's your favorite sports team deserve for Christmas based on their performance this year? Corey, in New York, what do you got, man? Thanks for calling the show.
3: Hey, guys, I got two quick questions. My number one is I want your guys' biggest gift under your Christmas tree right now and give it to the Michigan Wolverines because everybody doubted them and everybody doubted them against Ohio State. And everybody is saying, oh, because of the weather, that's why Michigan won. Michigan throttled Ohio State. They ran it down their throat, and I just want to give them props to Michigan Wolverines, and I hope the best of them the rest of the year.
2: No, hey, I got a- I to gotta, I gotta tell you this. The biggest gift that I'm I'm thankful for every year is my family. And you damn sure the Michigan Wolverines not getting my family, nor are they getting my wife. So, hell no. no
1: well, that's fair. And the biggest gift under my tree is the Tesla that Harry's buying me, <laughs> and nobody else can have that. Harry bought me a Tesla finally. It's going to be magical. <laughs> it's going to drive me from Connecticut to Atlanta every time I want to see him. It's going to be perfect. I don't even have to do anything. Dennis in Delaware, what do the Dolphins deserve uh, based on how they've uh, played this year? Hey, guys. Hey, listen. We started off 1-7, and seven, completely abysmal. You know, the
2: defense has been smothering. If we could get this win Monday night against the Saints, a very depleted Saints team, and get to 8-7, and seven. Harry, we got a showdown game against the Titans on January 2nd, Tannehill against his old foes, and the Dolphins just give me a wild card. Please, that's all I ask. Starting 1-7. Guys, happy holidays, and free the candle, Harry. My apple spice is uh, rocking right now. That's, that's right, just, baby. Free the candle. Free, hashtag, hashtag free the free candle. The candle.
1: Uh, yeah, look, by the way, the Dolphins, that's a great example of, like, a team that supposedly they were tanking, and then they won, and, and everybody said, oops, my bad. And then this year, everything falling apart, and it's like, oh, they're terrible, and Harry, now they're on this run. It's like patience is a virtue for the Miami Dolphin fan base. It is. And You know what, Dennis? I I want the Dolphins to beat the Saints. You want to know why?
2: Because I'm from Atlanta, and the Saints are uh, Atlanta's rival, the city of New Orleans. So I'm with
1: you, Dennis. Shout out to my boy Dennis from Delaware, man. I want yeah, the Dolphins well, Dennis, to win. Dennis, look, I don't care if the Dolphins make the playoffs or not, as long as it doesn't take that spot from my beloved Raiders, Dennis. Let's be real here. That's all I want. Like, Asana, I've asked you for one thing. I've seen one playoff game in 16 years, and my third-string quarterback played it. So – fat guy finally give in and give me what i deserve which is a raiders playoff game i don't care how they get it i don't even care if the raiders are any good i don't care how they get there i just want the fat guy to give me the playoffs harry douglas jason fitz we appreciate you kj and m back on monday greenie is next have a merry christmas and a happy holiday everybody thanks for hanging out with us on espn radio